Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today in Science from Wired. Ticks are spreading in the U.S. and taking new diseases with them. The vast majority of tick-borne disease goes unrecorded meaning life-threatening pathogens are traveling under the radar to new locations, by Marin McKenna. A disease that is so rare in the United States that it is recognized in only about 40 people each year has taken a life of a person living in Maine. The cause, Powassan virus, is transmitted by ticks, which can pass it on within 15 minutes of biting. The virus causes neurological damage. One out of every 10 people who develop severe symptoms die of brain inflammation, and about half of those who recover experience long-term problems with memory, balance, and speech. One death is always a tragedy, but one death in a country of hundreds of millions can feel like no more than a statistical blip. But to tick experts, the person in Maine who hasn't been identified or described is a warning. Other than Lyme disease, tick-borne diseases are little known to the public and under-recognized by healthcare. That's a problem, because research shows tick species are expanding into new areas and carrying greater amounts of pathogens as they move. And it's especially a problem because the U.S. has not set up a nationwide monitoring system that could identify where tick species exist, how they are traveling, and what diseases they carry. The country depends instead on a patchwork of local detection efforts that rise and ebb as public health funding changes. And in an echo of the COVID pandemic, the U.S. relies on individuals to take actions to keep themselves safe, even though political jurisdictions take on the task of preventing similar diseases such as ones caused by mosquitoes. We have no national tick monitoring network set up, though people have been quietly screaming for one for years, says Richard Ostfeld, a disease ecologist, tick expert, and senior scientist at the independent Cary Institute for Ecosystem Studies in New York State. If you're monitoring the ticks, you're monitoring the pathogens. And if you know where the ticks and tick-borne pathogens are, you can do a decent job of predicting where they will be soon and get out in front with campaigns of education and awareness. This is complex because ticks are complex. 
The tiny arachnids are technically parasites because they survive only by taking sips of blood from reptiles, birds, and mammals, including us. They have complicated life cycles that involve three iterations of slurping up a meal, dropping off for a nap, and metamorphosing into a new form. Their species are regional, limited to specific areas, though those lines are blurring, which means the pathogens they carry are regionalized too. But they account for abundant amounts of disease, 16 different illnesses, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, which estimated in 2018 that the occurrence of illness caused by ticks and insects tripled between 2004 and 2016. Ticks accounted for at least 75% of that rise. Tick-borne diseases are the most important vector-borne disease in the continental U.S. when you tally the amount of disease transmitted by humans, says Gonzalo Vasquez Prokopek, a disease ecologist and associate professor at Emory College of Arts and Sciences. And if you go back in time, 30 to 40 years, those diseases had not even been described. Scientists recognize that danger, even though the statistics on tick-borne diseases are widely understood to be incomplete. Of those 16 illnesses, only six are nationally notifiable, meaning that state health departments are required to collect data on their occurrence and funnel it to the CDC. Those would be Lyme disease, Powassan, Babesiosis, a parasitic disease that's been called American malaria, anaplasmosis, spotted fever rickettsiosis, which used to be known as Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and tularemia, also known as rabbit fever. In the agency's last count in 2019, before COVID disrupted the data flow to its tick programs, there were 50,865 cases of those six diseases recorded in the U.S., ranging from 34,945 for Lyme and 43 for Powassan. To suggest how much of an undercut that is, CDC scientists have estimated, based on insurance data, that more than 476,000 Americans are diagnosed and treated each year just for Lyme disease. That's more than 13 times the reported number of cases. For the unreported tick-borne diseases, we don't know exactly the extent of infection in humans, says Saravanan Tangamani, a vector biologist and professor of microbiology and immunology at SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. For two reasons, the report structure is not there, and it's easy to misdiagnose. When you go to a doctor with an acute febrile illness, these days they will test you for COVID and they will test you for flu. But they will not think about, should I test the viral illnesses in ticks in the United States? The awareness among clinicians is not there. Tangamani can make that assertion because his lab runs a citizen science program, TickMap, for mapping arthropods and pathogens that accepts ticks sent in by New York residents, analyzes the species of tick and any pathogens each tick is carrying, and geolocates the results. The analysis is free. Every year we are seeing a progressive increase in the number of ticks we're receiving, geographic expansion from each county, we see more ticks coming, and pathogen prevalence in ticks is increasing, he says. That migration isn't only happening within New York State. For about a decade, researchers have documented that the major disease-carrying tick species are on the move throughout the U.S. This is unexpected because ticks are picky. Temperature, humidity, forest cover, soil moisture, and the presence of their preferred hosts all tend to keep them confined to particular areas. The obvious answer to why they might relocate is climate change. As temperature zones move northward, it's reasonable to think the arachnids would follow. But contrary to that expectation, some species are also expanding westward, and others are moving south. There is no doubt that climate change is playing a role, but it is not the only driver of these changes in distribution, Ostfeld says, naming as other contributors habitat fragmentation and loss of biodiversity, including changes in the mix of small and mid-sized mammals on land parcels. 
Other researchers have theorized that greater tree density along the east coast has created friendly conditions, perhaps because it creates corridors for deer migration. Whatever the reason, the result is a landscape in which it is easy for ticks and the pathogens they carry to settle into areas long before they are detected. The worst-case scenario, which we keep reinventing over and over, is the Lyme disease scenario, Ostfeld says, referring back to the recognition of that illness in kids originally misidentified as juvenile arthritis in Lyme, Connecticut in the 1970s. A tick-borne disease arrives in a place abundantly for the first time where it has not occurred before or has been very sparse in the past, so there's very low awareness. Then suddenly, people are being exposed at a much higher rate, so you have delayed detection or even failed diagnosis. Recent discoveries demonstrate that ticks are full of surprises. In 2009, CDC researchers went in search of the cause of unexplained illness, fever, and neurological problems in two farmers in northwestern Missouri. The team not only discovered that the cause was a previously unknown tick-borne pathogen, now known as Heartland virus, but while broadening the search to try to define how widely it was distributed, they also discovered a second new tick-borne pathogen, bourbon virus, which had killed a man in Kansas. As evidence of how such emerging diseases can spread under the radar, researchers at the CDC identified antibodies to the Heartland virus in wildlife in 13 states just six years later, and researchers from the University of Georgia found in 2018 that the virus had been in deer in Georgia since 2001, eight years before the first known human case. Reinforcing that, Vasquez Prokopic and his lab last month identified the virus in ticks in Georgia, including in a county where a man died in 2005 and was retrospectively diagnosed with Heartland virus disease. All those viral footprints in wildlife were uncovered by curious academics and in the human cases by epidemiologists solving the puzzle of a serious illness, which makes almost all of those discoveries lagging indicators uncovered anywhere from months to decades after a tick-borne virus arrived in an area to put people at risk. Last year, a group of researchers from five universities and the CDC tried to quantify the state of tick-borne disease surveillance in the U.S., looking at public health resources for sounding an alarm when ticks and their pathogens move. What they found was dismaying. Only around half of state and local public health agencies were cooperating with private or academic programs to conduct tick surveillance, and only 26% of agencies were either operating or helping fund programs that identify pathogens within ticks. Most were then not doing anything with that data. Only 23% of public health agencies were sending tick analysis information to local health departments, with only 14% reporting it on to the CDC, taking crucial data out of the national picture, and depriving healthcare personnel and residents of the areas they serve of the knowledge they need to protect themselves. The underlying reason, the interviewees agreed, was funding which was scant, inconsistent, and tied to a boom-bust cycle that launched with concern for local illnesses or deaths but dropped off after the alarm faded. That patchwork of detection and reporting forces the responsibility for prevention back onto individuals, and investigators agree there is more the public could be doing. My ultimate ask is that we have good uptake of public health messaging to allow people to never get sick in the first place, says J. Aaron Staples, a physician and epidemiologist at the CDC who led the original investigation into Heartland virus. But the big goal for researchers immersed in the problem of ticks is building systems that can detect and predict problems before people are ever at risk, as soon as a tick arrives in a new area carrying a pathogen never before seen in that place. Real-time risk mapping would require routinely trapping and analyzing ticks and their pathogens, not waiting for a human to develop an illness caused by an unexpected bite. 
Only a few jurisdictions, Connecticut, New York, have invested in that so far, and that makes sense because those are the states whose residents suffered the most at first from tick invasions. But ticks are moving so randomly and so fast that nationwide data gathering and data sharing via a comprehensive database would be the smartest protective move right now. In terms of actual coming up with an action plan, I think it's quite important to know what are ticks doing, Ostfeld says. That kind of tick and pathogen surveillance gives us information we can't get any other way. That doesn't exist, but it could be built. And if that were to happen before another person dies from a disease they didn't know they were at risk from, it would not be too soon. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.